This is the Daily Signal podcast for Friday, March 11th. I'm Doug Blair. And I'm Virginia Allen. Arthur Lee was born in North Korea. It was not until he traveled to China as a young man that he began to realize the truth about the North Korean regime. He and his family ultimately managed to escape and eventually moved to America. Today, Mr. Lee joins the show to share his story of what life is like within North Korea. But before we get to that conversation with Arthur Lee, let's hit our top news stories of the day. Americans are paying more for things like food, gas, and rent as inflation soars to a nearly 40-year high. Gasoline prices are up 6.6% from February, and NPR reports that the average price of gas in America is now $4.32 per gallon. Prices shot up in many other sectors of the economy as well. Per USA Today, food costs increased 1% versus last month, and rent also increased by 0.6%. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton is suing the Biden administration. The lawsuit in part aims to answer this question. Are surgeries or hormone treatments to change children's bodies to appear as the opposite gender child abuse? Paxton says such so-called sex change surgeries and the administration of puberty blockers constitute child abuse. New guidance from the Department of Health and Human Services says that doctors and other medical professionals who report so-called gender-altering procedures to minors as child abuse may be in violation of federal law. But Paxton says state law in Texas does say that such medical practices can constitute child abuse. Paxton said in a statement that the federal government does not have the authority to govern the medical profession and set family policies, including what may constitute child abuse, in state family law courts. He added that the lawsuit is about protecting our kids. If you want to travel maskless on that flight to Florida, you're going to have to wait another month. On Thursday, the Biden administration announced that federal guidelines mandating mask use on planes, trains, and buses will be extended through April 18th. This extension marks the fourth time since the mandate was initially announced in January 2021. In a Thursday statement released by the TSA, the agency said the CDC will work with government agencies to help inform a revised policy framework for when and under what circumstances masks should be required in the public transportation corridor. The extension comes as many places around the country begin to loosen restrictions surrounding masks. Now stay tuned for my conversation with North Korean defector Arthur Lee. Are you looking for an easy and entertaining way to keep up with the news you care about? The Daily Signal and Heritage Foundation YouTube channels offer interviews with policy experts on the most critical issues and debates America is facing today, as well as short explainer videos that break down complex issues and documentaries that dive deep into the ways policy actually impacts people. Go ahead and subscribe to both the Daily Signal and Heritage Foundation YouTube channels today. You can search for either on your YouTube app or visit youtube.com slash heritagefoundation and youtube.com slash daily signal. 
It is my pleasure to be joined by Mr. Arthur Lee. He was born and raised in North Korea, and he now serves as the director for the D.C. office for the Conservative Political Action Conference, Korea. Mr. Lee, thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So, as I mentioned, you were born in <laughs> North Korea. You were raised in North Korea. Of course. You didn't come to America until your late 20s. Talk a little bit about what it was like for you growing up in North Korea. When I was in North Korea, I thought my life is just an ordinary, you know, citizen. And then I didn't know. It's like, um, what was freedom? Hmm. Like, and then North Korean regime didn't teach me what was like human rights. So there's no word like human rights, freedom. And I grew up as like so-called elite environment. So I went to, you know, kind of highest education in North Korea. Like I was able to study foreign language and then I had a chance to you know, study abroad in China. So I graduated Chinese college. And uh, when I was 17, I voluntarily joined North Korean military, even though my school was exempt from the military service. Hmm. But I uh, joined military, so I served more than three years. And at the time, I experienced what the ordinary citizen's life actually is. Okay. So I visited their home, and then I uh, saw their life with my naked eye. So mm. I realized that, oh, this is not the country what propaganda said. So like, you were, in, in some ways, a little bit protected in, in your early childhood mm. from kind of the realities of North Korea in a way. I would say, like, you know, all the environments, like the capital cities, far better than rural areas okay. so um, like I was naturally not knowing the rural area situation yeah. even though my relatives are still living in the local area and then I visited them I think I think I was ignored when I was little so I'm while growing up I, I found out that you know the whole like you know the propaganda and then the North Korean situation what they're describing is not the truth because in North Korea, we the regime emphasized the North Korea is the world, the best country in the world, and the best lead in the uh, world. And while I'm watching South Korean dramas and American movies, and then there's a totally different you know society. And then I found out that oh, why? I mean, we are the best country in the world, and why are living so poor? And then, and then everybody's like travel freely to visit another country. And then why we cannot go outside? And then those questions I had, but you know I cannot share these questions with other people because North Korea is total control of the society. So at what age were you when you sort of started questioning? You know, wait a second, I'm not sure if what I've been told about North Korea mm -hmm. is actually true. It's like I think 19 or 20, okay. because I access. Uh, information like you know South Korean dramas or like South Korean news and American movies and then I had chance to move to China and then and that was for school correct yes okay. uh, you know college and then it's very rare chance for North Korean citizen but uh, my dad served a two times presidential appointee job so mm -hmm. I was able to um, uh, have a chance to study so as soon as I got um, China, I can access internet, so I found lots of information, and then 
I understand how world sees the North Korea, mm. and then the truth was very brutal. So everybody's talking about human rights in North Korea, you know, sanctions and missile nuclear development, and then I, you know, agree with their opinion. As a child mm-hmm. in North Korea, going to school, what were you taught about America and about the West? So, when you're born in North Korea, you have to be, uh, you know, forcefully joined kind of for any form of organization, like you know, Boy Scout, like um, Children's Union, or I'm like you know, Socialists uh, News League. So. From the kindergarten, you're naturally being taught that America is our enemy. So, America invaded our country in 19, you know, 50. That's why our great leader, you know, trying to protect uh, people from the invasion of the United States. And then all the propaganda say American people, soldiers, killed lots of Koreans and brutally you know, executed. So they made a museum for like anti-American museum in North Korea. So when we go there, all the like, you know, brutal execution scenes by the American soldiers in 1950, the Korean War. So, you know, it's, America is the top enemy, you know, propaganda. Okay. So you were obviously, if you chose to say, you know, I, I want to serve on, mm-hmm. on North Korea's military, mm-hmm. North Korea's military, you were obviously very invested as a North Korean mm-hmm. in your country. Was that passion and that drive, did that come from your family? Did that come from what you were told in school about North Korea? So I was about to uh, join the college in North Korea, mm-hmm. and then my dad and I discussed, and then, oh, if you're a man, you have to serve military. So. Yeah, I agree that because I think I was loyal to country and loyal to regime. Then I believe that military service was to try. So I, you know, voluntarily joined, and then I was able to become a member of North Korea Workers Party at age 20. So it's very rare chance because uh, many men in North Korea can be member of Workers Party like at age 30 or 40, but I was able to become member like at my age 20 so I was so proud of myself to become a young member of Okos Party but the whole like perception was changed while I'm studying in China yeah so then after you studied in China did you go back to North Korea yeah of course I was able to go uh, back and forth you know um, vacation you know so I'm a I had a North Korean passport yeah so I was able to travel so then as you were going back and seeing your family, mm-hmm. were you talking to them about, you know what, I'm, I'm starting to realize that some of the things that we've all been told are maybe not true. So, yeah, my dad was um, the economy official, and then he also assigned job to introduce uh, investment into North Korea. So he was in China as well. So all my family was in China, but when I go back to North Korea, you know, I talk to my friends and relatives, and they keep asking, China, you know, I heard that China is so good. And then in their eyes, China is so better than North Korea. Hmm. So I cannot say China is better than North Korea, because if I said that, I'm kind, I should be, I could be like a kind of traitor. Yeah. 
You were worried for your own safety. Yes. So I just say, it's normal. Like, okay. I only lie to them. Okay. So yeah. you knew. You knew I can't say anything against North Korea or my own life would be yeah. in danger. And then I believe that in my home, like, there was, a, um, you know, books or, like, you know, listening okay. devices. So honestly... When we were in North Korea, among our family, we cannot share honest opinion. Even in your own home? Yes. You can't really say what you think? Yeah. Okay. So then what happened to get to the point where you and your family decided, we need to leave North Korea? I think there was like a triggering you know, moment that like, it was the execution of Kim Jong-un's uncle, Chang sung Okay. So he was the very top official and then you know Zhang was executed by his you know cousin Kim Jong-un and November 2013 his associates executed brutally in front of many people and they killed them with the anti-craft guns and then those top officials and military leaders they witnessed the scene and then they told us it, it was so brutal and then they could not eat a meal for two days and I was shocked and then one of them was actually my friend's father-in-law so I felt bad and then up to week I heard that my friend also disappeared I don't know where he is now and then like six months later one of the friends who actually went to college in China together disappeared because the friend I had drink a week ago and then I was trying to find him to have me lunch or dinner. And then I couldn't contact him. I went to his house. The house is gone. So I asked other friends that where this guy is. And he told me, brother, uh, his grandfather was executed two days ago. And his entire family went to the public prison camp. So that kind of, you know, keep ongoing incident made me like, you know, very deep you know frustration and anger to the regime and then my dad also lost lots of friends because Kim Jong-un killed purged about 500 officials from November 2013 to uh, October 2014 and among them there are lots of my father's friends and then also my sister's roommate in China she was arrested in front of her and sent back to North Korea. So my sister was so shocked. And then, you know, the day she, uh, her roommate was arrested in Dom, she came back to home and she was very shaking. Like, so several days later, we decided that I think this is not the country we can leave. And then I think this is not the leader we should serve. So we should, you know, leave this country for freedom. And then my dad also emphasized that I think we should do something for our, you know, people. Yeah. So, so were you were you able to cross the border freely because of kind of your your family and and your status, or did you all literally have to kind of escape in the dark of night? Um, so technically, we were in China as a North Korean. Um, you know, official. My dad was official. I had a passport, so we were able to come to China. So, you know, when we decided back, home, my family was in China. 
if one of my family is North Korea, I don't think we can make decision easily because it's so painful to see, you know, families living behind. And the day we left, we were very um, worried because I don't know what, you know, CCP or, you know, Chinese Communist Party or the regime, North Korean regime can do us. Yeah. So, but what, eventually we made it happen. Yeah. What was kind of going through your head? What were you feeling as friends were disappearing, as friends, family members were, were being killed? Mm-hmm. What, what were you feeling in those moments as you were processing that information and starting to think about, maybe I need to leave North Korea? I think it's kind of mixed feeling. So, you know, I was frustrated and then I felt threatened. But I think, oh, like some kind of betrayal of the regime because I believe the regime, you know, still is working for the people. But eventually I find out that the regime is, you know, pursuing only the survival of the leader. So I think it's very mixed feeling. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So you all, you went to South Korea for a time, right? Correct. And then in 2016, you made your way to America. Mm-hmm. What was that like coming to America for the first time and experiencing a place that you'd heard a lot about mm-hmm. but never seen? Yeah. Um, so, as you know, I watched American movies a lot, so I had some basic understanding. Uh, obviously, um, nowadays there's some information in North Korea too so I don't think every North Koreans believe that America is the bad country or like a you know enemy of our nation and then many people nowadays know America is the most prosperous country so I had a basic understanding and then when I come to US and then um, I you know I feel very comfortable because in South Korea, my safety also threatened by the regime. Um, you know, um, the North Korean regime actually showed my grandma and uncle and my aunt on North Korean TV show that threatened do not stay in South Korea. So, and uh, while we are in South Korea, the, there's some threat from North Korean agents. So, that was the one of the reasons we decided to leave the uh, South Korea and come to U.S. as well. Okay, okay. So do you still have family members in North Korea? My relatives, okay. all my relatives, my mother's side, father's side. Do you worry for their safety? Yeah, unfortunately, several people were um, punished, and then all the relatives who lived in the capital city, they were all relocated to the rural area. So that's the la- latest information I have. Okay. Do you worry for your safety, even being here in America? Um, I'm much better now, but um, I don't know. (laughs) Do you think by and large that the people of North Korea, whether in cities or in rural areas, know that they are being oppressed? I don't think uh, many of them know exactly because they only access the propaganda. So, you know, in North Korea there's one broadcasting uh, channel, I mean the radio, and then there are only two or three TV channels. So, uh, if you don't access like other side, I mean outside information, and then you only can be brainwashed. Yeah. 
So. Yeah. So now you work for the Conservative Political Action Conference Korea. Mm-hmm. You value obviously freedom and independence and liberty. Mm-hmm. How are you going about sharing those principles? Um, and and what would you want young people and Americans in general to know about North Korea, to know about China, to know about oppressive regimes? So like. Um, Three years ago, I think um, I found out that in America, lots of young people think socialism is not bad. And when I listened to that, I was like, me speechless because I lived in a socialist country almost three decades. And then I I believe the socialism's final goal is to become totalitarian regime and the dictatorship. the totalitarian regime is is almost absolute control of the people, no more freedom. So I want to say, when I was in North Korea, no one has ever told me that the regime is oppressing me. And then no one else told me that my freedom is taken away by the regime. So I want, you know, let American young people know that the socialism and communism is not the ideal as like the in a book and I hope that they realize the reality of the actual reality of the socialist countries so I think it's the people even though the socialism ideology is look sounds good looks good but the people won't be as nice like that so you know North Korea studied with communism and then they transformed socialism and then later they become totalitarianism and now it's cult dictatorship. So I don't think American people should not think freedom is taken for granted. Mm -hmm. So if you're not like fight for your freedom then I think your freedom will be eliminated by the, the power elites and authoritarian government. So what are you doing today to, to help the people of, of North Korea to further freedom? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm trying to share my story and then trying to inform the audience and public that um, the human rights of North Korea and then freedom. Because, you know, many people in South Korea or international community think that peace comes first without mentioning human rights and freedom. So I don't think, uh, I personally believe if there is no freedom and human rights, there will be no peace. So I'm trying to educate them that the human rights and freedom should be the priority than peace. And freedom is more valuable than life. And how can we follow your work? How can we follow what you're up to? My sister and I actually operates YouTube channel yeah. named Pyeonghattan. So it's a great channel. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So uh, if you want to follow my channel, and then it will be great, my pleasure. Excellent. We can link that in our show notes yeah. so that everyone can find it. But thank Mr. You. Lee, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate you sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, it was great talk. Thank you. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Daily Signal podcast. As always, you can find the Daily Signal podcast on your podcast listening app of choice, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. 
please be sure to leave us a review and encourage others to subscribe. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you right back here Monday morning. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is executive produced by Virginia Allen and Kate Trinko. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, please visit DailySignal.com.